0: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Back when I was leading a a college leadership program, I always really enjoyed taking the students out, uh, whether it was taking them to a store or taking them uh, on an out trip where we had some guides. Uh, It was pretty pretty fun to see uh, this group of of 25 18-year-olds coming into any kind of a setting, and and the people who, who were there Uh, you could kind of see a a look of terror come across their face because they had certain expectations of uh, this kind of a group of of young students coming in it was going to be it was going to be chaotic it was going to be loud it was going to be uh, perhaps reckless and and rude Uh, but instead our students would come in and they would seek to be the aroma of Christ wherever they were where they would they would seek to bless and encourage they were encouraging to each other they were building each other up and then also seeking to, to actually invest in the lives of the people People who were either working in the stores or who were our guides and, and actively asking how they could be praying and uh, just the overall attitude of joy was really amazing to see and we, we would end an activity or spend our time wherever we were uh, and I always loved sort of hearing the response of the people who were just shocked. Uh, shocked at, at, at really our students being a light that was shining brightly in the midst of the world in this unexpected way. Their attitude, their behavior, their words, uh, the way they encouraged each other, all of that was shocking to people who weren't expecting it. It was, it was, it was this shining light, uh, uh, the students going out intentionally doing that. Um, that's what Paul wants to talk to us here about in uh, the book of Philippians today. So Philippians 12, um, starting in verse 12 therefore my beloved as you've always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear uh, and trembling. Uh, when he gets to therefore, he's talking about the, this Christ hymn that came right before. Uh, this idea of Jesus, even, even though he was God himself, God who took on flesh, did not need to, to reach out and grasp what he was owed, his own honor, his own glory, but instead emptied himself, emptied himself to the cross so that he could serve us. And so, because Jesus has done that for us, therefore, um, he, Paul calls us, first of all, to our favorite word, which is obedience. Um, Obedience even, even to the Word even though he's not there with them, trusting that even though he's in jail, that he's writing this letter to them, that, that they, they are earnestly seeking to obey uh, the Word of God. And then he calls them to work out their salvation with fear and with trembling. And there's this paradox, once again. Earlier in Philippians, he says that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. But here he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, fear being uh, awe and reverence, reminiscent of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And and so this this sort of trepidation of of the reality and the magnitude of who God is, um, but also Sort of illuminated by the servanthood of Jesus that we saw in the verse before. He calls them to work, to do something. it, It reminds us of the call of Jesus who says, Be holy as I am holy. Work out your salvation. Verse 14. Uh, Sorry, uh, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we work, but it's God who's also working in us. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling or complaining, uh, that word has has some different meanings here in English. But it's not just about uh, uh, what 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 we do with our actions, but it's also about our attitude. Not arguing, not dissenting, not disputing. There's something about our witness in this obedience to Jesus in, in living out this, this sacrificial life that Jesus models. There's something about our attitude that really matters uh, when it comes to arguing, grumbling, complaining that you might be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Often Paul refers to the world as darkness. And so Paul is using that imagery that that the world is dark. It's full of of brokenness, of despair, of animosity, of, of fighting, of broken relationships, broken families. Uh, the the despair and anxiety of of not knowing what the future brings or holds and sickness and and all these things. He says, in the midst of that darkness, be a light that shines. Verse sixteen, holding fast to the word of life, so that the day of Christ I might be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Um, so Paul Paul's calling. He, he, he's praying. He, he's he's asking them. Um, to live out this faith well, to work it out well, to, to, to model it well so that Paul can be proud of them as, as he is unsure as to what's going to happen to him as he sits in prison. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Um, even if if this means that Paul's death is imminent, um, he's prepared. Uh, He knows that he's done what he's been called to do, and he's willing to pour out his life for the sake of the churches, and for the sake, obviously, of the gospel of Jesus. Paul is calling here the the Philippian church, uh, he's really calling them to look different in their attitude, to look different in the way that they appear in the world, to to, to appear different, to shine brightly, to stand out. And For us, I think the same question comes is, is what is our conduct? Are we joyful? That's been the the theme of the series, is even in the midst of all the uncertainties of life, even in the midst of, of, of everything going on around us, are we joyful? Can we see joy in our conduct, in our attitude, or are we bitterly following Jesus? Um, we live, it's, it's no secret, we live in a, in a sort of a post-Christian world uh, of pluralism, uh, of r- relativism, right? That, that everyone has their own truth. That might be true for you, but I have my own truth and don't impose your truth upon me. And sort of the sea that we swim in right now. And what our, our post-Christian pluralistic society uh, wants is not these the sort of statements, these propositional truths, they don't simply want a sort of rote truth thrown at them. They're not willing to listen, right? Even, even the statement that, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is risen from the dead, and Jesus will save us from our sins, uh, those are just truth statements to the world, and, and they really mean nothing. They're, they're on par with every other truth statement out there. I think what the world really wants to see is if this truth in our lives that we proclaim, that we hold to, whether or not it makes a difference. Not do you say that it's true, but rather do I see that it's true in your life. And so that's where I think our attitudes are just so important. If we live with bitterness and hostility, with anxiety and greed, then we might profess the truth. But the world looks at us and sees nothing different. In fact, they might see their neighbor next door who perhaps is a Wiccan and see perhaps more joy and and perhaps more honesty, more service in their wicked neighbor than at times maybe they do in us. And so Paul is calling us to this attitude of joy, of of not grumbling, of not complaining, of living in joy so that we might shine as lights in the world. And so what, what our neighbors really need to see is not us knocking on their door with pamphlets about who Jesus is. But what they really need to see is us living differently in the midst of chaos and anxiety, of pain and confusion. That's why suffering is so important. As as difficult as it is to talk about, suffering is so important because everyone understands suffering. There's there's a, a commonality. We get it. But what is our attitude in the midst of suffering? And if we can have joy, even in the midst of life's difficulties and and, and roadblocks and speed bumps, if we can be joyful, then the world looks at that and goes, there's something different there. This truth that you believe is obviously true because I see it working itself out in your attitude. So we have an opportunity in a world of chaos and uncertainty If we can lean into our hope and live with joy and with radical generosity, then people will be inclined to believe that what we hold is true. See, I don't think we need to stand on on crates in the middle of intersections shouting at people to repent. Instead, we can just choose To live with joy, to not grumble in the midst of all life circumstances. We can choose joy in our attitude, not grumbling or complaining. And in so doing, we stand out and we shine in the midst of darkness. That's our evangelism. It's our attitude. Not just sort of a a pleasantness, being nice, but of true, deep-seated joy, kindness, love for others. So how do we do it? The first, I think, is to remember, to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Again, we go back to the the Christ hymn in the passage before about Jesus emptying his life, who for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame for us. And we remember what God has done for us and the love and the grace as we we reflect on that, as we meditate on that, it begins to change us. We develop a deep-seated gratitude not just about what we don't have, but rather just about what we do have in Christ. And as we look at the tasks at hand, when we look at the the opportunities around us to serve, rather than doing them uh, with bitterness and and resentment while grumbling, instead we can do them as an act of worship. And I mean, when we really think about it, what is a deeper and more sincere act of worship? Is it showing up here on a Sunday and singing some songs? Or is it going to your neighbor and serving them, meeting a need, which is, which is truly a more pleasing aroma to God in worship? And so we can serve others in joy as an act of worship. And finally, we, we can just do things as a means of blessing other people, even if they don't notice. Perhaps even if the blessing is just the fact that someone else doesn't have to do this thing. Whatever it is we're doing whatever menial job, whatever it is, even just seeing it as I'm doing this so that someone else doesn't have to and seeing that as worship and a blessing and doing that with joy without grumbling and complaining, but instead doing it uh, with a spirit of worship. I mean, that is That is how we bear witness to the world today, I think, is by letting the truth work itself out in our attitude as we seek to love and serve those around us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that, uh, that you've loved and served us first. Thank you that it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross. So I pray that you would help us in our bitterness, in our grumbling, in our attitudes, that you would give us joy. Joy because of who you are and what you've done and the promise that we hold true, that we have in eternity. And I pray that we would serve others and that would be a witness as us shining like lights in the world. God, by your spirit, I pray that you'd help us do that. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we have a great night. We'll talk to you again soon.